Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from July 2nd, 1983, taped on June 22nd, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me for this trip through wrestling history like he does each and every week, from booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm still fired up, Brian, last about last week's episode with Bill Watts calling that freaking Mill Moscaris dive off the top rope a dive and not a jump. But anyway, I am doing great. I'm looking forward to another fantastic week of the Mid-South Television Review podcast. We've got Bob Root back in the saddle with another match. Boy, I can't wait to go to sleep on that one. No, seriously, it should be a barn burner. And there's a match in this episode that I just find very interesting. Not that a ton happens in it, but we're going to see Arn Anderson versus Magnum TA in Mid-South Wrestling. And when you just think about what happens uh, later on with the two of them in Jim Croc promotions, just a few years later, and, you know, Arn being a member of the Horsemen and Magnum being on Dusty's side, it's just very interesting to see these two in a match in Mid-South when Magnum's still being built up as a, you know, who will end up becoming a big-time you know, baby face uh, throughout not only this territory, but on Jim Crockett promotions. And then, you know, you got Arn, who's this is only his second episode as Arn. So I'm I'm really, you know, I'm looking forward to this, man. We got some good stuff to discuss, but we'll discuss that match later on uh, as I kind of tease what to look forward to here. We also have a very big tag team match with a lot of things happening during this match, before this match, during this match, after this match. But let's start it off by hearing the opening of the show, Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Exciting action coming up. This week's card will be headlined by Mid-South Tag Team Championship Battle. And a wild battle is what it'll be because it'll be the champions, Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia, defending against the top challenge of the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Johnny Rich versus Hacksaw Butch Reed. Mr. Racing 2, the new national champion against former North American heavyweight title holder Bob Roop. King Kong Bundy is here, so it all adds up to 60 minutes of exciting wrestling action. Tell you about it, Bill. I know you're just ready to start. Well, boy, I'll tell you, it's going to be exciting tonight, and I think you've just capitalized it all because the tag title match and DiBiase is forced, and Grizzly Smith is pretty uh, pretty doggone certain that he's going to make DiBiase no matter what he comes up and cries about. He's got to be in it. Grizzly says, I promised these people this tag match, and they're going to get it. And I've never seen the big man quite as determined, so that should be a tremendous bout. But first, right away to Reeser Bowden, because we got Mr. Wrestling 2 and Bob Root. And that's where we go, Mike. Mr. Wrestling 2, the new national champion, versus Bob Roop, Alfred Neely as the referee. The one note I had about this match, Mike, was that Bill Watts talks about some of the wrestlers he expects that we'll be seeing in Mid-South Wrestling in the weeks ahead. And he names wrestlers from Georgia and world-class. He talks about Larry Zabisco. He talks about Matt Bourne. He talks about the Von Erichs, the Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin, Sunshine, and then, of course, Dusty Rhodes here next week. Any thoughts or notes about this match? Yeah, he did. He, he talks about, you know, he mentions Grizzly Smith bringing in all this talent from around the country, and like you just said, he name-drops, like, he even said, like, the Freebirds, like you said, the Von Erichs, Dusty Rhodes. I think he even said Tommy Rich in there. So he's dropping a bunch of names here, you know, of the people that should be coming in or possibly, obviously not everyone, but of the folks that he's going to bring talent in from around the country to come into Mid-South. 
also, I thought this was funny. He starts talking about a trip he took to Cozumel where he and his daughter went diving. And uh, <laughs> and I found that interesting and just funny because, you know, like me, he was bored watching Bob Roop. I mean, the crowd was even really quiet during this match as Watts talked about everything but the match. You see my example of going, you know, him and his daughter diving in Cozumel and whatnot. So, you know, Bob Roop not only puts me to sleep sometimes, he puts the fans on the Irish McNeil to sleep. And Bob Roop, if you listen to this and catch wind of this, I'm just having fun. I have nothing but love for you and respect. There you go, Brian. <laughs> You've been ripping him for the better part of two years. And then you all of a sudden at the end, you're like, please don't put me in a sugar hold, Mr. Roop. You know what kills me about like, like, when, I'm glad you mentioned that. Here's what kills me about when we comment on things on a podcast. Like, unless I explicitly say something's personal, like my hatred for Tommy Rich, like, it's not personal. We're just talking about a wrestling show. But people get so offended these days at everything. It's like, wait, I'm talking about old school wrestling. This is, you know, we're talking about something you and I loved watching, and now we love discussing. So. You know, when I say all these things about Watts, and I'm not Watts, but Roop and how he, he could put a dead man to sleep on commentary, I don't mean anything. It's just that, you know, he's just, he's not my cup of tea when it comes to wrestling. Just like, you know, um, I'm trying to think of someone you really like that I just don't find very entertaining. I'm trying to think. I Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to know who that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, because if you don't like what I like, then I'm not your friend. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that the way we're supposed to do it nowadays? If you don't like what I like, you have no soul, Mike Mills. Oh, here we go. So now we're talking about Jericho's comments. Um, you know, here's the thing, man. I'm glad you brought that up. I can like Chris Jericho, but think he's completely wrong about certain things in wrestling. There's, that's life. Let's grow up and move on. You know, I mean, hey, it's wrestling. He does, you know, anyway. But no, it, it's um, I, it's not personal with Roop. I, I obviously, I don't know the man. I, I hear he's actually. I have listeners who said, hey, you'd like Bob Roop if you talk to him. He's a great man. Okay, well, I'm sure he is. You know, Travis Reigns has told me that. So anyway, um, so on and so forth. But this match, you one thing you cannot argue, Brian Last, is the people were quiet during this match. They, they were silent. Am I wrong? That is certainly true. And I've heard that Bob Roop's a very nice guy unless you have a territory that he wants to steal. <laughs> but Mr. Wrestling 2 wins this match with the knee lift. And then we get our next match, Rip Rogers versus Art Cruz with Joel Armstrong as the referee. I don't have too many notes here. Rip wins after Cruz just hits his head on the turnbuckle and falls. But I have to say, you watch something like this, and we've seen Rip Rogers for many weeks now in Mid-South in an undercard role. It's hard to watch him here and not think this guy should have done so much more. I mean, we all know that Rip's a really talented trainer. Obviously, he knows enough to educate students about the basics and things to do and things not to do, but you watch him in the ring, and he's captivating in his own way, and he's very, very talented, and again, he's a guy I wish they had done something with in Mid-South. I know in, I think, 84, he would go to Georgia and get a push there, but I wish they would have done something with him in Mid-South, because I think he really would have been great as a heel here. He's really good in the ring at this point in time. What do you think? I couldn't, I mean, I totally agree with you. Rip Rogers, the fact that he never was a major star, it's, I don't want to use the word tragedy, because, I mean, real tragedy is real tragedy, but it's just, unfor it's unfortunate. That That's a better word for it. When you watch Rip in the ring, even with a guy like Art Cruz here, who's not a star in the territory either, 
everything Rip does, like, it looks so good. It's crisp. It's on point. There's, like, no wasted movement. I mean, he kicks out when he's supposed to kick out. He moves when he's supposed to move. His bumps look really good. His kicks, his punches, everything Rip does in, in a match, and you see it here, it just looks good. He, his selling, that's something else. I mean, let's talk about him selling. He can sell so well. He makes everything look good. And it's just unfortunate that when you look at a guy like Rip, it's like, did promoters just like get used to using him in a way that didn't put him over? And then he just became this guy that just wasn't a big name and they got so used to him being the person who was just going to put other guys over that that's what he became. I don't know because I wasn't there and I didn't see the inner workings of it. But what I do know is that I can see it. It's very unfortunate that Rip Rogers did not have a serious run somewhere as whether you want to see a top guy or not, but it's just unfortunate that he wasn't used better than he was because the man is talented. He's a very good trainer. He just knows his stuff. And I just, I feel like we lost out by not seeing Rip get a push somewhere. Our next match, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Johnny Rich, Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's hear a little bit of audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about Hacksaw Butch Reed. Reed, an All-American, former All-American football star, a powerlifting star of his college team, a tremendous athlete, a hungry man, a man that says, I'm hungry, I want to make some money, and Junkyard Dog, you're holding me back. You got fat and lazy. You can't go anymore. Bill, as I look back, it's been a long time since I've seen a wrestler with the determination and the obsession for something like the North American title and the junkyard dog as held in the body of Axel Butcher Reed. Well, you know the thing that can be deceptive is a dog, you've got to bulk up to meet guys like Bundy and Kamala. You know, the big, massive men, the one-man gang. And pretty soon you get yourself beefed up real strong on the heavy lifting and you're in a heavy weight program to handle that much tonnage if you're not careful you can slow you down you know i know when i was in college at the university of oklahoma it was great also to go wrestle the 191 pounders because if you weren't careful pretty soon you weren't accustomed to that quickness and you'd get one of the smaller heavyweights and he'd just be buzzing you because he'd have that speed and you'll notice last year in the national collegiate lou bannock from iowa won again for the second time and he only weighed 220 pounds. If you're not careful and you get used to going against those big heavy-duty dreadnoughts, you don't have that speed and with that, with that tremendous increase in strength and weight to, to, to fight the big guys, you may lose your stamina. And I think this is what Reed is figuring on. He's pulled down, actually, from 252 pounds, and it's, it's solid, and it's tremendous stamina. He's in that gymnasium every day, and he can, he, he can have the luxury of pointing at that one match. The junkyard dog, where's the dog? Whoa! Johnny Rich got out of the way, and Reed drove that shoulder into that turnbuckle. And Johnny Rich is firing away. Johnny Rich is firing away. The junkyard dog being the champion, he can't relax. He can't sit there and point toward one match. He's still like last week right here, had to defend against Bob Root. Today, he's in a tag title match. And this is the problem that being a superstar like the junkyard dog has, he's got the hungry ones strictly pointing for him, just like when the University of Oklahoma, the University of Texas, the University of Arkansas, when they play a non-sexual mode, they're geared for him. Well, there we hear some audio, Mike, from Cowboy Bill Watts. Once again, the theme of junkyard dog bulking up, 
But Bill Watts gave a good explanation for it. He's going against the likes of the one-man gang, Kamala, King Kong Bundy. He wanted to add on weight to fight those guys, but now he has to be careful because Butch Reed is not as big and bulky as them. He's quick and he's muscular, and the dog has to be careful that he hasn't done too much to combat the super heavyweights, that it will be detrimental to his battle with someone like Hacksaw Butch Reed. And, and that's why I'll go back to what I said. I don't know if Watts was really taking a shot at him because then he comes back here and explains the bulking up of the weight to deal with the bigger opponents and the bigger guys. So that's why I don't know if it was really as bad as it sounds in 2020 back in 1983. Uh, he, he makes some really good points. And that's, you know, I've criticized Watts, obviously, with the Milmoscaris thing. But, you know, here's a, here's a case where, look, you got to give Watts credit here. He's that's a logical explanation that if when you bulk up, you may gain strength and power, but you may lose things like quickness and flexibility that you had when you were a little smaller. So that is a real thing that athletes deal with, especially wrestler, amateur wrestlers, especially I could see. I mean, you, if you bulk up and go into a new weight class, I mean, yeah, you're dealing with a bigger individual. So you need the power. But you may lose a little bit of, you know, you'll lose your speed and quickness. Not, not a lot. You won't lose all of it, obviously. But, I mean, incrementally, you can lose some of the advantages you had when you were small. So, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I, he, Bill Watts, is, he's on the money here with this. And, um, you know, credit him for talking about it here and explaining how and why maybe the dog did bulk up a little bit uh, with this. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, when in that middle of the match, Reed sends Johnny Rich into the corner and then he follows him in to like hit him with a shoulder. Man, Reed, that was a wicked bump he hit when he hit his shoulder on that corner turnbuckle. And then Johnny Rich comes up, fired up. And you heard Bill Watts in the commentary right there talking about it. Nice little, I guess you call it a hope spot right there for Johnny Rich to make it seem like he wasn't just getting totally squashed. So good little match right there too with, with Reed and Rich. I mean, Rich kind of showed some quickness and Reed showed his power in the end, especially when he hit him with the Big flying shoulder tackle, and then Reed got the win over Rich. Then we get our next match. King Kong Bundy versus Joe Stark. Joel Armstrong is the referee. King Kong Bundy wins with a five count. I don't have any other notes. What about you, Mike? Man, are you stealing my notes, Brian? It was it was a squashish squash match. And um, yeah, Joe Stark eats the pin and looks up at the lights. Then we get our next match, the main event on this show, and there is a lot going on here, so we're going to have a bunch of audio. Ted DiBiase and Mr. Olympia, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the first time we've seen DiBiase in the ring in quite a while, versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Junkyard Dog, Alfred Neely, the referee. Let's start this off with some audio. Let's go to this. They're smoking already. They're after this match is not even, there's been no bell. This match is not even started. It's not even officially started. Reeser Biden just had to get out of there. They're at it. There's a lot of animosity among these men. Whoa, Dugan's going after DBS. Dugan's going after DBS. There's Olympia on the floor. And Dugan just, Dugan just introduced Mr. Olympia to the steel post. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, those are drill collars. They don't have any given. When you meet it up close and sudden like that, one thing gives, and that's your head. 
and Mr. Olympia is flattened. And Akbar is calling the timeout. Olympia is flattened. TBI is calling the timeout. Talking about being out, Mr. Olympia is out, Bill. He's cold, and I, this match never even got started. Grizzly Smith is heading over there. Akbar is calling for Grizzly Smith. Alfred Neely is, is on Dugan, but he can't disqualify Dugan either because the match wasn't underway. These two maniacs should be committed to an institution. And how can one man wrestle two? The title is off. The title is off. No title. What do you mean the title is off? Exactly right. Use your common sense, Smith. One man can't wrestle two. Besides, you should condemn these guys to an institution. You saw what they did. We came out here to wrestle. You signed for a title match. And a title match there will be. You get DiBiase another partner, get him a partner, and get him out here. It's going to be you a title be match. For this myth. You and Mid South are going to be sorry. You heard, you heard Grizzly Smith. He said, "Get another partner." And he get didn't bat an eyeball, Bill. He All promised. Right. Well, us. they've had Zerkov. You know, Zerkov, Boris Zerkov was brought in here to be a surrogate for DiBiase while his so-called hand injury. And Grizzly Smith told him to go get a partner and get out of here. There's going to be a title match. And talking about that hand injury last week after the bout when Dugan broke that cast off and found that DiBiase's well, glove was under. You see DiBiase try to lie out of it. He said, my hand was injured so bad when they attacked me in the parking lot that it was so swollen the doctor couldn't take my glove off and had to cast it over the glove. But he did have room enough to load up that glove and too, use it on And use it on Dugan. And listen to this crowd, they're, they're ready. I'm telling you, people, they just got to hold on to the seat. Dynamite's happening right now. And Grizzly Smith has put his foot down. And I know from years past that when he's a determined man, he can be pushed and he can be talked to and he can be bargained with. But when the big man says, that's it, that's it. And he's still at the ring. He's not leaving. Grizzly Smith, the matchmaker, well, staying can, at the ring. We'll probably see Zerkov as DiBiase's partner, although DiBiase said he didn't have a lot of faith in Zerkov after the time that Dugan and Rich beat him in Olympia. So uh, I'm sure Davey Ozzie's going to want out of this situation. But uh, here comes Akbar back. Akbar's coming down the stairs from the dressing room. The crowd is up there behind Dugan and Junkyard Dog 100%. They're all standing. Dog, there's going to be a match. There's going to be a match. I can guarantee you that right now. Akbar waving, waving these troops. The general is a vicious man. Whoa! For those of you at home, you can't see. I can look back and coming down the stairway behind DiBiase that's making the stairs tremble. 420 pounds. It's not Boris Zirkoff, Bill. Oh, it's big King Kong Bundy and the matches. Again, I guess Alvernelli, he's Alvernelli called for the bell. How do you like it? Rough and rugged, wild and woolly. We've got it here. That's right. Alvernelli said there's just no way to get an instruction, so he's rung the bell. There we hear it, Mike. The opening minutes of the match. Well, not even the match. That was the opening seconds of the match, but several minutes leading into that, Mr. Olympia posted. Skandar Akbar demands the title match be called off. Grizzly Smith says no. And instead of Burris, Burris. Instead of Boris Zerkov, we get King Kong Bundy. What do you want to say about all this? I think Boyd Pierce is rubbing off on you. You called him Burris uh, in the same way I sometimes call Duggan Dugan because I get so so used to Watts saying it. This was um, 
this was balls to the wall, like from the start. I mean, the, the minute JYD and Duggan hit the ring, man, I mean, it was on fire. There was no waiting. And you know what? That makes sense. This There's a lot of heat here. There is a lot of friction with these four guys. So it would make sense that the minute Duggan and JYD hit the ring, we're going to have a brawl. And that's exactly what we had with Olympia getting posted by Duggan on the outside. I love, look, Akbar, give him credit here. You know, he's like, Duggan needs to be put in an institution. I love that. And then Akbar says, one man can't wrestle too. But Grizzly Smith wasn't having it. He's like, no, the contract was signed. Get DiBiase another partner. Get him out here now, and we'll do this. And then after, I call it a, a, a semi-long delay, we finally get King Kong Bundy, as you heard, come down. But this was just really good stuff. The, the key here is how it all starts. I mean, look, there's a lot of friction between all these guys. So we're not going to play around. There's not going to be, we're going to have four civilized guys here that are going to stand apart in the ring while we wait for these introductions. No, we got personal issues here. We got some serious personal issues. And when guys don't like each other, they don't wait to fight. They don't sit around and yap their chaps, they flap their gums for 20 minutes straight or 10 minutes straight. They get to fight. And that's exactly what you saw here as it all broke down before Risa could even get the introductions done. No one sat around and yapped their chaps. <laughs> Let's get some more audio of this match because we have more action. And of course, another surprise visitor during this match. Let's go to this. And they're out there. They both whipped Big Doogie, Big Bundy in and they gave him a double football shoulder block. And that got the Big Bundy. And here comes DiBiase, who was a, a former football star at West Texas State, but he just met. Two men that played in the National Football League, one for the Green Bay Packers and one for the Atlanta Falcons. And listen to this crowd. Boy, Pierce, I'll tell you, I love it being here with you. There's there's so much excitement here on Mid-South Wrestling. I've been on Atlanta Wrestling. I've been on Wrestling in Florida and Texas, in the Carolinas, in New York. I've never seen events with the excitement that they have in Mid-South Wrestling. And I think the whole wrestling world pays Mid-South that compliment. And I think the reason is because Grizzly Smith books main event wrestlers against each other on TV. And so many television shows in the, around the country have a main eventer against a preliminary boy. And the fans, I think, get tired of that action. But this is a championship match. And Duggan and Bundy, toe-to-toe, -to -toe, that big man Bundy slugging it out with Jim Hacksaw Duggan. DiBiase trying to come, he's cut off by JYD. And I think there's been four men in the ring since the start. This is almost like a Texas tornado match with all four men in the ring at the same time. And there's Junkyard Dog and he leveled him. Of course, Duggan's on the floor from a double crash. Dog's pulling him in. Duggan's down on the floor, hurt. Bundy down, Iverdeely hurt. Butch Reed just Butch Reed just Pearl Harbor Dugan and Butch Reed just drove Dugan into that steel post. Dog is fighting away. Dog is fighting three of them right now. And Big Bundy trying to put the coup de gras on Dog. But Dog puts Bundy in and Dog catches Bundy with an uppercut. But Reed, Reed leveled the junkyard dog from off the top rope. The dog is down. Reed has come out and decimated this team from behind. He's got. Dugan driven him into the steel post. He's leveled the dog, and now DiBiase and Akbar are both putting the boots to the junkyard dog. And of course, Alfred Neely, the referee, was badly hurt on this floor. Alfred Neely calling for the bell. 
the disqualification, but I don't think DiBiase cares. They retain their title. Right now, they're trying to punish the dog. They're trying to punish the dog. But Jeff Duggan, Jeff Duggan, Jeff Duggan's gone. He's got a two before again. Duggan's got a two before. He, there's Zirkoff. Duggan gets Zirkoff. DiBiase got to get out of there. But Buttony got Duggan. Buttony got Duggan. Now Buttony's going for the board. But the dog got it. The bell ringing. Chuck Yardar. DiBiase getting out of there. DiBiase's bailing out. DiBiase bailing out. But they've got Big Bundy in there, and they're wailing Big Bundy and wailing Zirkov, and they're wailing Akbar. But DiBiase and Reed got out of there scot-free. And Dugan is mad. Dugan is boiling. But listen to this crowd. Dugan and the Junkyard Dog, they won the war, but they didn't get DiBiase and they didn't get Reed. Bill, as we try to restore some sort of order and regain our composure and our speech, We'll go back to the I'm studio sure. and we'll be back I'm with sure. more action sure. I've never seen after this like word. Before. A lot going on there, Mike. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about all of it, but one note I have, when Butch Reed comes off the top rope and hits the junkyard dog with his shoulder tackle, he almost lands on his head. I mean, he goes off at a weird angle and he ends up on his back. Yes, it looked like it was a second away from disaster. I feel like he shifted the last minute to where he took it on his shoulder and was able to roll through it. But it did look like it, it looked dangerous for a second. Like, man, he's going to land on his head. But it, it, I say all that to say it also, because of that, it looked like a tremendous shoulder tackle off the top rope. Did you think so too? Yeah, it looked pretty devastating. Of course, the junkyard dog is good at selling things like he's dead. And then of course the two by four comes in. And this, I think, is the second time we've seen Hacksaw Duggan with what would then become a staple in years ahead, his two-by-four, and the place popping for everyone who gets hit from Zerkov to DiBiase to, of course, Skandar Akbar. Yeah, so let me, we t- I, know, I know you wanted to bring up the point about Reed and coming off the top rope and then hitting Dog with shoulder tackle. It was tremendous. So, but let me take a step back for a second. So, of course, you know, as what will happen every time we have a big match, it seems, Alfred Neely, if he had a batting average of taking a bump in a big match, it would probably be a .998 batting average. Anyway, Neely, of course, takes a bump. Then Akbar is drug into the ring. Butch Reed comes down to ringside, and he slams Duggan's you know, head into the post on the outside. And then, like we talked about, Reed gets on the top rope, and he is JYD with a devastating flying shoulder tackle that, like you said, man, he almost landed on his head, but he was able to shift uh, over at the last second to kind of you know, take it to the shoulder and roll around. JYD, like you said, he's out cold. Finally, Alfred Neely wakes up and calls for the bell, you know, at DQ because of all this going down. And Duggan, he's able to recover, even though he took a, a post to the head or, or his head went into the post and he returns to the ring. And this time he's clearing the ring with a two by four, as we discussed. And it's just really, really good stuff. JYD ends up getting his hands then on a two by four and he's swinging it at everybody. You know, he's hitting Bundy. They cracked Bundy. It looked like a couple of times Bundy and even Zerkoff got hit in the head. And I don't know, I guess credit JYD for how he was swinging that two by four, because I really thought, man, he cracked him in the head a little hard. But uh, I've never heard stories of them complaining uh, about JYD catching him in the head too bad. So I guess it looked worse than what it was, which is how it's supposed to be. 
Uh, he he even hit Akbar in the head. So you know, there's that. But he clears the ring. Then uh, JYD throws the two by four to Duggan, and dude, it is pandemonium in the Irish meal. The fans, if you look around, they are all standing up around the ring, man. They are going nuts. They are loving this stuff, loving this moment. And once again, we see the Duggan with the two by four standing tall with JYD in the ring. From there, we go to our next match: Magnum TA. Versus Arn Anderson, Joel Armstrong is the referee. I'll let you talk about your thoughts about this match in a moment, Mike, but let's hear some comments from Bill Watts wrapping up the previous segment. Boy, I'll tell you, Razor, I, I mean, excuse me, Razor Boyd, I'm still confused. I'm hoarse. I, I, the, they just now got the crowd back under control. They were chanting, and they wanted to give the belts to Dugan and JYD, and Dugan and JYD were upset. They didn't want to leave the ring. Of course, the Daffer Neely had called both tele- teams disqualified, and there was no other way. That was out of control from the start. When Olympia was carried out, I've never seen a match that wild. And Neely was, Howard Neely was telling Grizzly Smith, that I don't want to referee another match like that. You're going to get me killed. You know, they threw him clear out on the concrete floor here. He's a tough kid. He's a, he's a good kid. He's a good businessman up there in Nashville, Arkansas. And he enjoys wrestling and comes here and... He's a good official, and it's certainly not his fault. That was definitely an out-of-control situation. I don't think uh, Muhammad Ali could have maintained order in that match. Well, there it is, the Cowboy talking about the previous match and what a good businessman Alfred Neely is. It's been a while since we heard about businessman Alfred Neely on the show. But let's talk about this match, Mike. Magnum T.A. versus Arn Anderson. Of course, in a few years, this match would have a different impact than it would here in Mid-South Wrestling, where Arn Anderson, a member of the Horsemen, and Magnum TA, a member of America's team. But what are your thoughts about this match? I think this is a really good preview of two guys who are going to be big-time stars in just a few years. When you watch this, you get a glimpse of what we end up seeing from them later on, just a few years away. Arn, as we've talked about on this show numerous times, he looks great. He's just not the star that he's going to become. But if you look at his actual work in the ring, the way he sells, the way he bumps, the way he does all the things that matter in a professional wrestling match, you can see why he became a star. Also, Magnum, he's I think he's starting to look a little better than what we saw originally, like when he first came in. Not that he looked bad. I mean, because he had a, he's had some good debuts and he's got, you know, a bunch of wins so far. But I think Magnum looks good too. And it's just when you go back and you watch this match, if you got the network, please do so. You'll see two guys working hard and you, in my opinion, you can see why they become the stars that they do just a few years down the road. And it's just amazing to watch them here in Mid-South in this, you know, regional promotion, this territory where you see two guys who end up being big stars and in, you know involved in the, the Horsemen and the Dusty and, and Magnum feud. It's just really, really good stuff from these two. And give Watts credit, too. He brings up again, you know, Magnum, highly recommended by Dusty Rhodes. So there you go. We get to hear that again. Magnum TA wins with his atomic drop. And then we get our final match on this week's show. George Weingroff versus Tony Zane, Alfred Neely, the referee. George Weingroff wins with what we're told is a banana split. And they talk a little bit about the fact that he's legally blind during commentary. Any other thoughts or notes, Mike? 
Uh, my thoughts and notes are the crowd must have gotten the memo from Bill Watts that, you know, things were about to wrap up after this, because I'm not sure if you caught it like I did. But as you look at the bleachers, it is um, I don't want to say it's 50 percent, you know, less packed, but people are leaving. They're clearing out. They're like, ah, well, this is George Wycroft. And Tony's saying it's uh it's time to leave. So I I don't I don't have much from this. It's uh Weingroff does pick up the win, you know, with a quick roll up on the pin, but that's all I have. The only other thing on the show is then we get a video, it's rather dark, but a highlight montage from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Watts' hometown, of Mid South Wrestling in Tulsa. And then we end the show with Bill Watts saying next week, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, and the return of Dr. Death, Steve Williams. But with that, Mike, any other closing notes about this week's episode? This was a fun little episode. Like I said, I, I can't I can't recommend enough. Go back and watch Arn versus Magnum TA. And it's not like a classic match that, you, that everyone will ever talk about, but it's just something interesting to see those two guys in Mid-South, you know, a few years before things would explode in JCP and, and what we see from them there. So I, I highly recommend, please go back and watch that if you have the network. And also, you know, that tag match, I don't know if us talking about it can do it justice when we talked about DiBiase and JYD and Duggan and how the finish and all that went down and Butch Reed flying off the top rope with his shoulder tackle. But you got to see that, man. It's it's tremendous. Like, it's everything that I remember about territory wrestling and, you know, all the fans in the Irish McNeil, them going crazy. That's just a big thing to take from it, like how over these guys and these stars were in the territories back then. And I don't know. I, I feel like you really got to watch. Like, we listen to it here in the audio, but if you have access and you can watch it, please go back and watch it. it it's really, really, really good footage of just how, how it all broke down at the end of it and how over JYD and Duggan are as the crowd goes nuts at the end. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode of the Mid South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Great Brian Last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I'd appreciate it if you do that. And then come listen to Booking the Territory at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. On Thursday nights, we are dropping our NWA Saturday night on TBS episodes from the 80s, and we're into 1989 now, so uh, lots of fun stuff. But uh, you can go back. I mean, we started doing it in 1985, so there's plenty to listen to there. And then I've said this a few times over the last few weeks, our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps are just about wrapped up. But even though we finished, you can get all of those episodes from episode 1 through 200 of Smoky Mountain Wrestling at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. Also, you can, you can just search Book in the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We're the unprofessional wrestling podcast where myself, Doc Turner, Hardbody Hopper, we talk about classic wrestling, and it's not politically correct, though. The language is strong, but we still have fun nonetheless. Brian, another fun episode, a little bit shorter, obviously, than last week's episode, but uh, this was fun. Again, Arn and Magnum, and then the tag match, lots of good stuff. And we really got some good stuff coming up in the uh, next couple of weeks because I think we got some Superdome uh, footage coming up as well. Well, until then, the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. 
Tally-ho!